A man gets a bizarre feeling and ends up saving a life. What happens when a young boy gets bored and enters a cave in the middle of Mexico? And then, since the dawn of time, people have wondered, can we talk to the dead? It turns out, they may simply be a phone call away. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. Whatever you're doing, you're currently breaking into a vault. You're like, this is so much fun. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our live stream supporters coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. It's Sir Vlad Harkonnen. Everyone give a round of applause, a little bow to Sir Vlad Harkonnen. Vlad, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Talk about it online. Talk about it with your friends. Help spread the word of Dead Rabbit Radio. Really, really helps out a lot. Sir Vlad, let's go ahead and hop in the hair hang glider. We're going to leave Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to take a nice, slow flight. Out to Calgary, Canada. <sighs> Sir Vlad is expertly piloting this hair hang glider. It's October 19th, 2010. We're in Calgary, which is in Alberta, Canada. We're at a little townhouse complex, kind of like an apartment building. They would get offended if I said that, but like an apartment complex, but a little nicer. There's this townhouse complex. And there's this dude, we don't have his name, so we're going to call him Mark. Mark does the normal thing. He wakes up. <laughs> That's pretty normal, right? If you don't wake up, call a doctor. And Mark is saying goodbye to his girlfriend, Meredith. And they've been dating for a long time. And he's a little concerned because right now she's kind of laying on the couch going, uh, uh, which is a warning. If you're not a doctor, that's a warning sign that something's wrong. Uh, he can tell that she's ill, but she's like, go to work. I'll be fine. Just go to work. Do your thing. So he does. He goes to his job. While he's at work, he's sitting there and he gets this feeling in his stomach. He's like, oh, no, I hope I'm not sick. I hope she's not contagious. He gets this feeling in his stomach that something's wrong at home. Something's really, really wrong at home. So Mark goes home for lunch just to check on things. Something doesn't seem right. He doesn't know what it is. When he pulls into the parking lot of this townhouse complex, there's a young woman just kind of pacing around the parking lot, looking worried. He gets out of his car, and she immediately goes to him, and she goes, I don't know what to do, but I think there's a baby in the dumpster. Mark is a man of action. She should have been. She should have checked in the dumpster. Apparently, she was just standing around waiting for someone else to show up. But Mark is a man of action. He goes, he looks in the dumpster. He also hears a baby. He starts throwing garbage out of the garbage can. Till he comes across a little blanket, and wrapped up in the blanket was a newborn baby. <laughs> How do babies have the lung capacity to cry so much? Like newborn babies. You, have you ever cried so much, or coughed so much, or laughed so much that you couldn't breathe? And you're like, dude, dude, please stop making me do all three of those things. I can't breathe. Babies, they come like right out of the womb, and they're just like screaming. I guess they're breathing oxygen in the womb, right? Too, so they're like, <laughs> they're getting ready to be born. They're like, see you later, mom. <gasps> and they get a big breath of air. But you think more babies would pass out because of lack of air, oxygen from crying. But apparently that's apparently that doesn't happen because the human race is not extinct. Man, man, man. His baby's crying. 
He's like holding the baby. He tells that woman, finally do something useful. Call 911. Get someone down here. And they're able to get someone down here. 911 comes down. They take the baby to the hospital. The baby is safe. The baby is totally fine. And one hour after the baby is checked into the hospital being treated, Mark's girlfriend also ends up at the hospital. Oh, oh. And someone's like, hmm, that crying sounds familiar. Hmm, let's run it through an audio analysis and see if we can match it up to her Her crying match the baby. That's not how they got it. That's not how they figured this out. They did something else. But they realize that Meredith had given birth that morning. Mark, who got that weird feeling to come home during lunch, that was his baby in the dumpster. He saved his own child. So give it up for Mark. I mean, that's a cra- that's what we talk about when we talk about like miracle stories, psychic powers. Like he's sitting at work and he's doing his thing. And then he hears this baby, hears this baby voice in, in his head. He happens to work at a NICU unit, but he's like, it's not those babies. It never says where he actually works, but here's a little baby voice in his head. But no, he saved his own child. And what the police figured, this happens. You can be pregnant and not know it. And then all of a sudden you're like doing chores and then a baby falls out. It's rare. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it right now. But it's rare, but it does happen. Sometimes women get pregnant and they don't know they're pregnant and the baby comes out and they flip out. Like it's total. I mean, how would, what would you do if you're out for a walk one day, you're skateboarding through town, you're like, ah, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you've seen umbilical cord and a little baby on your skateboard just kind of holding on for dear life. It would freak you out. So sometimes these women throw their babies away because they don't know what to do. And you just go, okay, this was, <laughs> shame on you. You can't do this again. But we understand sometimes women like freak out when babies just magically appear and they're not supposed to be there. So when this story was reported, they said that this was Meredith's baby and she was currently being treated at a psychiatric center. The baby was totally fine. The baby was Mark's. Everything is A-OK. Until the police start interviewing Meredith. It turns out she's done this three times. It doesn't say who the father of the other babies were. They were actually really cagey on a lot of the details. But twice before, Meredith was pregnant, wasn't showing at all, gave birth, wrapped it up, wrapped the little baby up in a blanket, threw him in the trash. Then a couple years later, had another baby, wrapped it up in a little blanket, threw it in the trash. Those two babies have never been recovered. This was the third one that she had. And Mark had this feeling something was wrong. He goes, saves his own child. For throwing away three babies and two of them never having been found. 18 months in prison. And Mark stayed with her. And while she was in prison, she got pregnant again. But the government was like, no, you don't get this baby. It's a tragic story. It's a tragic story, and it's interesting because it started off, the first article I read was just one of those weird moments where somebody gets a psychic cry for help. I truly believe that's what happened in the first story. I think that baby reached out to the father and was like, please, I'm in danger. 
But then it just became a really grim ending. This wasn't the first time she'd done this. She had done this two other times. And again, it didn't say who the father was of those two other children. 18 months in prison. Can you believe that? Sir Vlad. <laughs> Sir Vlad's like, that kind of brought me down. Ah, don't worry. Don't worry. The next story's going to be a lot more fun. I throw my arm around you. Come on, let's get in the dead rabbit dune buggy. That'll cheer you up. Sir Vlad, here are the keys to the dead rabbit dune buggy. We're leaving behind Alberta, Canada, and it's obviously busted legal system. We are headed down to Mexico. Vlad is driving the dead rabbit dune buggy down to the state of Jalisco in Mexico. Maybe. We're a little iffy on the town for this one because the story took place a long time ago. But maybe in the town of Jucasco. We're in a small town in Mexico. It's around the 1950s era. This story was submitted to me by Own the Monkeys on YouTube, so thank you very much for submitting this. And in the 1940s, 1950s, Own the Monkeys' great-grandfather, let's call him Tony. Tony is a nine-year-old boy living in Mexico, and one day he's super bored. I mean, normally he's just regularly bored, this time super-duper bored. So he leaves town. He leaves town, he's walking down these random roads, he's just kind of exploring the countryside. You could do that in the 40s and the 50s. You could even do that when I was a kid in the 80s. You can't do it today. You cannot do it today. But back then, you could be a goonie all you wanted. He just left town and was walking down these random roads. And off one of these roads, he sees a cave. The swashbuckling boy inside of him says, let's go in that cave. Let's go in that cave said it twice, so he has to obey it. And he goes in the cave. And okay, now, mission accomplished. Now what do you do? According to Own the Monkeys, he either had a piece of chalk on him, he's basically a Dennis the Menace vandal, or he was just sitting in the cave and he was kind of bored. And he picked up a rock. A sharp rock. But Tony began to carve crosses into the side of the cave. He carves one. Oh, that, that's cool. Carves another one. Hmm, that's a little that's a little cooler. I kind of got the angle a lot better there. Carves another one and begins carving these alongside the cave walls. Tony, this was the only thing he really knew how to draw well. Like as a kid, he's not drawing he's not drawing Spider-Man like Rob Liefeld. He's just drawing stuff and he's making his mark in the side of the cave. It's the same thing. If you give a kid chalk, the first thing they're gonna do is write their name on the sidewalk and then do hopscotch. There's certain things you can predict. So his go-to was just carving crosses in the side of the wall. You're just leaving a mark. And also there is a little bit of a bad boy in you because you're vandalizing something. You're vandalizing something with the easiest thing you know how to draw. He's drawing these crosses and he spent a good amount of time. So by Tony's estimate, he thinks he filled this cave with hundreds of crosses. Just one bored afternoon. And he's like, okay, that's enough religious iconography for today. It's time for me to head back home. And he does. Goes back home. Everything's totally normal. And then time goes on, as it does. And he ends up moving to the United States. He's not really even thinking about this cave anymore. He's not like in the United States. He's like, hey, uh, boss, you mind if I take the day off? Today's the anniversary of the time I vandalized that cave. The boss is like, what are you talking about? He doesn't really even think about it. Fast forward 30 or 40 years. So now we're in like the 1980s. Tony goes back to that little town, his hometown in Mexico. 
he hanging out with his bros, having a good time, reconnecting with his family and friends that he left behind. And then one night while he's down there, someone goes, oh, Tony, you didn't hear the news. You didn't hear the news. And he's like, what news? I mean, I've been gone for 30 or 40 years. I'm sure a lot of news has happened. No, but this is the news, Tony. There's a cave outside of town. It's the home of a serial killer. Tony's like, what? This cave is home of a serial killer. And he made a cross for every person he murdered. Tony, there's hundreds of crosses in there. Someone's been murdering people for decades out in the surrounding fields of this small town. And Tony's like, what What in the world? Because Tony knows. Tony knows that he made those crosses. But then someone else chimed in. Someone else chimes in and goes, no, 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 no. It's not the serial killer. It's not a serial killer. There is a demon in that cave, trapped, held prisoner. Because a good man of the community went out and fought that demon and etched those crosses into the side of the cave and the demon cannot leave this structure until those crosses are erased. Tony's like, okay, guys, okay. I got something to confess. And, Tony, before you have something to confess, sometimes when you walk by that cave late at night, you can hear the crying of children. Victims of the serial killer, some say. Victims of the demon, others say. But all are in agreement. That cave is cursed. Now, on the monkeys didn't say whether or not, whether or not his great-grandpa had a big laugh about this whole thing. He doesn't actually say if he even confessed to it, because he heard this story from his father, and his father heard it from Own the Monkey's great-grandfather. So it's, it was a second-hand story. But it's a, and thank you for sharing it. Thank you for sharing it. It's a very, very interesting story because it goes to show how, and this is what even Own the Monkey's pointed out, it goes to show in the absence of evidence, urban legends grow. He sent this to me when we were talking about the Chino Hill story, where you have these events that may or may not have happened. And even yesterday's episode about Dyer Lane. In the absence of information, it's a spooky rural place. And you figure maybe the clan used to be here. Or maybe the clan really was there at some point. The Ku Klux Klan was there. But then it became this snowballing of information. And it could have easily been nothing. But because it's so foreboding, Dyer Lane, the legend of the clan meetings out there started. But this even had more concrete information than just a pair of burnt pants on Dyer Lane. There were crosses in a cave outside of town, and nobody knew how they got there, except for one person who had left. Fascinating story. It's truly the birth of an urban legend. Like His great-grandfather created that urban legend, and you saw even the community couldn't agree on which version was true. But what... Even if Tony said, no, 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 that was me, I made those crosses, people wouldn't believe him. Some people would be like, oh, Tony, you big old rascal. But other people would be like, I don't believe you. I think maybe you're the demon. Maybe maybe you escaped. Because at that point, 30, 40 years had passed, the story had become so ingrained in that community that really, what is that? 30, 40 years is two generations of people hearing that story. Don't go out by that cave after dark. There's either a serial killer or a demon there. Which, I mean, again, pick your poison. Both of those are pretty bad. 
interesting. In the absence of information, that's where urban legends grow. Fascinating, fascinating look at the birth of an urban legend. Sir Vlad Harkonnen, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Mexico. We are headed on out to a phone near you. <laughs> the helicopter's just flying over your house right now. Ah, the closest phone is in your lap. We are now near your... We're in your room. Okay, <laughs> sorry, Sir Vlad. That wasn't the most exciting trip. Wherever you're listening to this, we're sitting next to you, as it should be, because we are a giant fluffle, a family of rabbits. I got this recommendation from Kyle Hughes. He's a Patreon supporter. He's been listening to the show for a long time. And he sent this to me, and my initial reaction was, that's fake. And his reaction was like, I know. But, is it? I'm putting words in his mouth. He didn't actually say that. He didn't take a dramatic pause. He sends me this story, and I go, this is obviously an ARG. Obviously an ARG. This is ridiculous. But people who listen to the show know I don't cover ARGs. This is really weird. This is super bizarre. It's, it's going to sound super LARPy. There's a group of... I don't know if you want to call them scientists, if you wanted to call them explorers or inventors. A group of people are trying to invent the soul phone. It is a device that can be used to contact the dead. That is the elevator pitch for this. The soul phone will allow you to contact the dead. And when you go to the website, it's very slickly produced. It's a very, very... It's oddly a soulless website. It looks like a very corporate website that no real passion was put into. It looks fake. It looks fake. And they use terms... They don't call people dead or deceased or gross. <laughs> that guy's blown a bit. They call them post-material persons. That's ridiculous, right? It sounds like a joke. And so when I was reading this website, when it first said post-material persons, I was like, this is obviously, that's something like Peter Venkman would say. That's obviously fictional. And I was thinking that it was like guerrilla marketing for a Ghostbusters movie, or it was an ARG. And if you went deep enough into the website, you would find the clues to take you to some other website. I found this website's tax documents filed with the IRS. If you go onto the website, they say we're a 501c3, which is a nonprofit corporation. Here is the number. Here's our FIN number. So you can donate money to us. And I punched that number into the IRS website and pulled up tax documents for the year 2017 and 2018. All the donations they've gotten. So again, if this is an ARG, they have involved the IRS. So we're going to set that to the side because I know a lot of you guys go to the show notes and, and follow up on this stuff because you guys want to know more about these cool stories. And you're going to go to it and you're going to go, this is so fake. But we, we got to push past that because it, it doesn't appear to be. It doesn't appear to be. These guys look legit. What's interesting is they're, what they're working on, it just sounds so phony. But at the same time, we're paranormal researchers. We're paranormal researchers. I did a story about a guy who was at work whose baby telepathically said, help me. And he saved the baby. So we accept this stuff. But when someone says... Donate money to us. We're going to invent a soul phone. Your, and I'm not accusing these people of this, but your fraudometer goes do 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 Because you're thinking, that's impossible. According to this group, and really the director of it is Mark Pitstick. 
So you have Mark Pittstick, he's the director, and then Dr. Gary Schwartz is developing the tech, and they have other people working on this program. They have mediums, they do have woo-woo mediums, you know, coming out, which they call them evidential mediums. These are mediums that have actually, according to them, been tested, been rigorously tested. There's an obstacle course. There's an obstacle course they got to levitate around. These are mediums who have been tested in the field that they believe they're not fraudsters. According to the Soul Phone Group, they've already built this machine. What they need the money for is to build a machine you can use. But they've already built it. It's called the Plasma Globe System. Again, sounds super phony. And there's a clip art of a dude holding a laptop or a tablet, and there's like this sci-fi globe floating above it. They need to get another website developed. But they've invented this thing called the Plasma Globe System, and it's a what they call a binary switch communication. So you ask post-material people these questions... And it answers them. It answers them as a yes or no thing. But it's not so simple to go, are you dead? And they just wait around and it goes, yes. They say it takes 25 minutes of data analysis to go through 10 questions. Because it's not as simple as a yes or no. They have to dig. And they don't really say what they're digging into, but they say they have to analyze all of this stuff. So they go, we want to take this on tour. This works. This absolutely works. Because then we have it backed up by our evidential mediums. They can't really take it to the mall and have people stand in line and go, are you still there? Are you still there, Sally? And they'll be like, if you wait 25 minutes, you'll know if your loved ones are still around. They, they know that people want instant answers. Now, I would be fine with waiting 25 minutes. I'm not that busy. I am busy, but not so busy that I'm like, what? Okay, I'll wait 25 minutes, but if it's 26, I'm out of here. Even if the dead are giving me advice. But they say they want to take this on tour. The random person's not going to wait around 25 minutes. And they are looking for advice. They say they have already contacted inventors on the other side. Scientists on the other side. Great minds that have passed on for advice on how to make this system work. So what's the advice? This is again where you start to get a little suspicious. They won't tell us. Because they say, at least on this website, they say that these spirits, that's proprietary information that belongs to the post-material person. So they don't feel comfortable revealing that Benjamin Franklin's like, no, no, plug it into the wall, plug it into the wall. They're just standing next to this machine. It's unplugged. They're like, why won't this work? They're not telling us, they're not giving us of any of the scientific information that these dead dudes are giving them. So they have the plasma globe system. Then they want to do this thing called the electronic soul switch, which is basically just a faster version of that, apparently. But again, people are just going to see lights popping up on a board, and it'll be like a yes-no thing. And they know that is not what people think of when they're talking about talking to the dead. Although that was the old-timey way of doing it. The mediums, the spiritualists of the the turn-of-the-century America, it was the knocking a lot of it was fraud as well. A lot of it was fraud. Easy to do. But anyways, that's how they communicated. It was kind of like the way a horse counts. Talking to Benjamin Franklin took a long time. Plus, I think he was still alive back then. Anyways, electronic soul switch. Then they want to advance it to a keyboard. So you can write to a ghost. Then voice. That's the next step. That's where the soul phone comes in. Their ultimate goal. Video. 
They say with $2 million, they can, I know that, I know that's when you're like, okay, okay. They say with $2 million in donations, they can start this process. They already have the plasma globe system. They say for about $2 million, they can get up, I believe, to the soul phone is what they were saying. Because they already have, the hardest part has already been done. Communicating with the dead. That's the hardest part, right? Everything else is just perfecting that. They say that when they're talking to the spirit team, is what they are, they're philosophers and engineers and scientists that have passed on. They've actually learned about their world, the world of the dead. How they interact with us. Are ghosts real? Are what we've seen actually real? What they are. What actually happens to... What, what do you become when you die? And they actually have even asked them, like, what's the physiology of being dead? These are really, really deep questions. Very, very personal questions you can ask ghosts. But they're not revealing that information either because it's proprietary to the ghosts. So it's, it, it, this is an interesting story. On the one hand, it doesn't feel like any ARG I've ever come across. It doesn't. I mean, the tax documents could throw me for a loop. That's weird. If you go to their YouTube channel, it's just an old guy talking. Most ARGs aren't run by 70, 80-year-old people. Now, it doesn't mean you couldn't hire someone to do that stuff. It doesn't mean someone with enough money could hire, couldn't hire someone, some old man to sit in front of a camera. They're filing documents with... I think that would be fraud, honestly. If you're like, yo, dude, just a prank, just a prank. They're getting donations and they're registered as an LLC. They have all these documents in federal hands. I think that... I don't know what the legality of it would be, but it doesn't feel like an ARG. But at the same time, it has all the hallmarks of one. But then we even have this. They're actually... These people have published in this journal called Explore, the Journal of Science and Healing. This is the November 16th, 2019 issue. And they go over this soul phone. They go over this device, this communication device for the dead. It's a lot of the same information from what I saw. But the standout thing is you can build this same system. Like once we get everything cooking and once we figure out how to put this together and we streamline it, you will be able to build one at home for $4,000. There's different paths to go down. I believe this group is legit. I could be wrong. I 100% could be wrong. I believe this group is legit and they're not an ARG. Could be wrong, though. Always had your bets. Because if it's an ARG, it's pretty in-depth. I think even an ARG would have a better-looking website. Website that felt a little more like home. But if it is real... I'm not actually arguing that the phone technology itself is real. I'm arguing that people are attempting to make this. That's not out of the realm of possibility at all. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison tried to invent a device to speak to the dead. It's not the first... I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people tried doing it before him. He's the first one I know off the top of my head. And a bunch of people after him. You have people who claim they have the ability to speak to the dead, but you don't know for sure. And if you don't have that ability, you're taking them at their word. And we are so obsessed with the science side of things. I'm, I'm, I'm to the point, and I've been at this point for a while. If you're a ghost hunter, leave all the digital stuff at home. Leave it all at home. You don't need it. First off, skeptics aren't going to believe you anyways. 
They're not going to believe you if you, oh, no, I went to this house and the temperature was all normal here and I went in this room and it was colder. They're not going to believe you. You're not going to convince a skeptic due to that stuff anyways. Secondly, it's cost a ton of money. Like, bring a tape recorder with you, do the EVP thing. But when people are buying all of this gear to do ghost hunting, first off, a lot of it doesn't work. Secondly, if it malfunctions, you think it's right because the temperature's dropped. It's actually just malfunctioning too. Skeptics aren't going to believe it anyways. And a lot of normal people won't either. We want to prove that ghosts exist. We want to prove that aliens exist. But you're never really going to prove those things exist. We want to prove Bigfoot exists. You're never going to really prove these things exist. They exist on a different level. So having a soul phone will prove to us that there is a life after death. If this thing is real. We won't have to rely on mediums. We won't have to rely on them saying that their loved one, that our loved ones are still with us. We can pick up the phone or look at them in a video monitor. Again, a skeptic would go, this is some sort of trick. This is some sort of white noise illusion. And the people who want to believe will accept it. And the people who want to believe and who can may donate for this soul phone technology. $2 million is not a lot of money. Especially when you're talking about breaking the boundaries of life and death. I'm really interested in this. I hope it's not fake. It makes sense that people would be trying to work on this. I don't know if it's possible. Don't know if it's technologically possible, but who knows? We, we don't know really anything about death. We know what happens, and we have no idea what's going on. It's the same thing as when you're dreaming... When you wake up, what are the other people thinking in the dream? Like, we, we have no concept of that. If you're talking to someone in a dream, you're talking to Britney Spears, she's getting ready to give you a big hug, the hug you've waited so long for, and then someone wakes you up. You're now back in reality, and for a split second, what is Britney Spears thinking? Like, does she see you disappear? Does she put, I don't know, I don't know, like, that type of stuff trips me out. Does that universe continue? Who knows? Now, who knows? Who knows? Poor Brittany. But, what if you have the technology to figure out what happens in dreams after you wake up? Like, it's that same level of thing, like, the, the dying, we look on the outside and we go, that's tragic, that person has passed away. But we don't know what that person is experiencing. And... In a world of science, even though we talk about ghosts and goblins and UFOs and stuff like that, we live in a world that is ruled by certain scientific principles. And yet, when someone dies, we go, we don't know what happens. And we start adding all this mystical stuff onto it. They're in other dimensions. They're in heaven. They're in hell. There are ghosts floating around. We don't know. But if they are in a different, if they are in heaven, that is a dimensional place. If they are in hell, that is a dimensional place. If they are ghosts, if they are post-material persons still floating around the planet, you should still be able to call them. If someone's cell phone is shut off, you can still call it and leave a voicemail. So I, who knows how this is all going to play out? It, I don't think it's a scam. And it's, I call out a lot of scams on the show. I don't think it's a scam. It may be an ARG. It may be a pipe dream. It may be a bunch of people trying to invent something that is uninventable. Or this group of people trying to raise just $2 million may already be talking to the dead. 
We won't know ourselves until someone comes forward and admits this is some sort of game. Or until this LLC goes bankrupt and the website is taken down. Or someday when you're sitting at home and you're missing someone you love, you could hit a button on your computer. And there they are, looking at you, smiling. It's like they never left at all. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 